So welcome to the Family Law Now podcast and our YouTube video series. I'm Russell Alexander. I'm a family lawyer. I've been with uh, our firm for over 20 years practicing collaborative family law and helping families going through separation and divorce. We help people across the province of Ontario virtually now with the pandemic. We upload our videos twice a week on interesting topics about separation and divorce. You can learn more about our firm at russellalexander.com and the services we provide. You may hear a dog barking or a squeaky toy or a child walking across. Uh, we're all working from home right now, so accommodate our interruptions. Today's dis discussion involves a mother who was originally from Newfoundland who recently traveled there for an extended family visit to spend time at school, or sorry, to sp spend time at a second home that she owned there. Um, she took the kids with her for a month break, two week Christmas holiday, which was their family tradition, plus another 14 days for their self-isolation after arriving. However, when the scheduled month was over, the mother and the children did not return to Ontario as planned. Mother claiming that the child was too scared because of COVID. But before we go any deeper into this case, let's, um, so it's uh, the child's terrified of COVID-19 and the court reflects on whether to order his return to an Ontario hotspot. So that's what we're looking at today. But before we get any further, let's welcome our guests. Um, Lori, can you introduce yourself and tell us a little bit about your background? Sure. My name's Lori Dubin. I am an associate lawyer at Russell Alexander. I've been practicing law for 17 years. Uh, mo the majority of my career was spent in criminal law doing trials. And primarily I focused on uh, domestic conflict that uh, the state had to come and intervene in. And that uh, helped me develop an interest in family law. I started practicing family law about four years ago and went full time into it two years ago. Welcome, Laurie. Thank you for Thank joining you. us. Brittany, can you go next? Yes, thank you, Russell. Hello, everyone. I'm Brittany Whalen. I am an associate lawyer at Russell Alexander Collaborative Family Lawyers, and I've been practicing family law since 2017. Thanks for joining us again, Brittany. Um, this is your second time at it, so uh, we expect great things from you. Rick, you want to go next? Well, thanks, Russ. Hi, hi everyone. My name is Rick Patika. I'm an associate lawyer at Russell Alexander Collaborative Family Lawyers. Um, the areas of practice I focus on is mainly matrimonial and family law, and I've been uh, practicing law for 14 years. Thanks for joining us today, Rick. So let's get into this decision. Um, Brittany, can you give us a brief overview of the facts and the background? What happened here? Absolutely. So this case, actually, the parties are two lawyers, not family lawyers, and they were self-represented for this motion. The parties have Three and children. the judge initialized the case so the kids wouldn't be embarrassed by their parents. Correct. Just thought I'd throw that in there. Sorry, go ahead. So there's there's three kids. Uh, one is 18, one is 16, and the last uh, child is 13 years old. The parties separated back in September 2015, and by October 18, 2018, the parents had finally reached a resolution on the parenting issues on a final basis. They came to a consent. They had decided that the children would reside primarily with mom in Hamilton and they would, uh, the father would access uh, the children on alternating weekends as well as Tuesday overnight, 
and Tuesday and Wednesday overnight the following week. So in total, we're spending five on 14 nights for that. There was also provision that stipulated the children were to share holidays and special occasions with both parents. Um, in this case, the father lived in Toronto, but he maintained a second residence in, uh, in Hamilton so that he could access children. Mum, as Russell previously mentioned, had a second residence in St. John's, Newfoundland. That's where she's from, where she grew up, and she has a lot of extended family there. As part of the, the order that the parents reached back in 2018, the, the parents had agreed that the children were to spend Christmas holidays with mom and take a yearly vacation to St. John's Newfoundland. Uh, they also went there in summertime and they've been doing this every year since they were born. They did it as a family while the parents were still together and after separation, they would go for two weeks over Christmas holidays with mom and then in the summertime. Unfortunately, once COVID broke out, they were unable to go to their, their second residence in St. John's for the summer. When the restrictions started to lift, uh, mom decided that they were going to go uh, to Newfoundland, but there was a stipulation that people had to quarantine for two weeks. So the parties actually agreed that the children would be allowed to go from December 7th until January 7th to accommodate that quarantine period. Um, so, the, the parties were able to reach an agreement that when the children returned home, they would have makeup makeup time with dad. Uh, the parties, mom and the children, they went on the seventh, and they were supposed to come back on the seventh, but they didn't. At the end of the at the end of December, mom reached out to dad and said, "Children are not really feeling comfortable coming home right now. Ontario is a hot spot, but in Newfoundland, things are pretty much business as usual. You know, there's still social distancing and the requirement that they wear masks, but." Other than that, the kids were involved in extracurricular activities. They were able to go outside and play with their friends. Uh, they were able to spend time with their extended family, including the maternal grandmother who was in long-term care and had Parkinson's disease. Um, mom had expressed that, that the children wanted to stay. And because school was still online, uh, they just wanted to play it by ear and figure out how things would go. The parties had an agreement that if they couldn't reach a decision, they were supposed to exercise alternate dispute resolution processes, but instead they wound up in court. Typical lawyers, right? Now the 14 day quarantine period, that's the part of the East Coast bubble, bubble that we're here, right? Exactly. In full disclosure, you're from the East Coast too, so you're familiar with this? I'm from St. John's, yes. Right. All right, so Lori, um, mom's in Newfoundland. They're having a great time. Kids don't want to come home. Youngest kid says, scared of COVID in Ontario. What were mom's arguments? What I, And do you agree with them? Well, uh, mom says that uh, they've missed out on their summer trip already. Uh, the children were stressed to begin with. Uh, when they were there, they were watching the news about Ontario that increased their stress. They weren't required to be in, uh, in class in Ontario. And they were able to have something akin to a traditional Christmas with, uh, I guess, their 20-person bubble, seeing family. They were able to participate in their extracurriculars, which had been stopped in Ontario. And... Uh, 
overall, it was better for their mental health. And uh, I think that she was also suggesting that it was safer because it was less likely that she would come into, that the kids would come into contact with uh, people with infections if they weren't in Ontario. Um, I, knowing what I know about the case, I don't really agree with the way mom went about doing it. I think that um, kids need to uh, be able to predict what the protocols are if they want to change the rules. They have an agreement and uh, the kids know that dad has to consent. And uh, the way mom went about uh, trying to um, make her position clear was not the way the court would have expected. She was supposed to, as Brittany said, go through the mediator uh, or uh, perhaps she could have spoken with um, dad in advance instead of just unilaterally deciding to stay because she thought she had good reasons. Um, I mean, I could go, I could find a number of different uh, uh, views for how she handled it, but ultimately what it comes down to is we're here in Ontario, a uh, lot of us having children of our own, and we can't just go and uh, break the rules in order to help mental health. It, it creates prejudices in other areas and uh, creates uh, uncertainty, I think, in terms of children. And uh, the best interest of children, I think, is to have certainty. Yeah, mom's getting a bit of a rough ride so far. I know just before we get to dad's arguments, I was reading in the Globe and Mail on the weekend, the Island of Man residents are free to toast a successful COVID-19 response. So I guess they don't have any COVID out there. So statistically, maybe mom's argument could be correct in terms of exposure, but what's the next uh, step? Are we all gonna run off to the Island of Man and say, okay, I'm unilaterally changing arrangements, but maybe not. We're gonna find out what the court did in a minute. Rick, what was dad's arguments? What, was, what did he say? Well, Dad's argument essentially is that he's he's had some sort of a backseat role or a diminishing role since separation. Uh, basically, he he pointed that there were other circumstances where Mom made decisions directly with the father. He was someone who always learned of things after the fact that they happened, and, and this situation was no different. Uh, he was told about the children's uh, change or emotional health or. The distress they were going once they were in new, new basically in Newfoundland and not before that and he wasn't given an opportunity to help his kids and, and that's effectively what the argument was he was worried and he he's basically asking the court now to step in and see if they can do anything and we're going to ask Brittany in a moment what the outcome was but there's sort of some underlying themes that we're seeing in this case that we see a lot right the this idea of a status quo you know, the court's gonna, should be reluctant to change the existing parenting arrangement. And that's sort of been, we've seen that throughout the pandemic since uh, we first started in March and April with the restrictions. Self-help is this concept where one parent's just unilaterally gonna decide, I'm not coming home with the kids, uh, despite the previous agreement. Urgency, right? There's this theme, you know, is this urgent? You know, kids are scared of COVID-19. 
should we be using COVID, sorry, should we, we be using court resources on a case like this or should the parents know better? And mobility is sort of an underlying theme because we're out of province here, but the judge, uh, and I'll let Brittany speak to this, sort of implied those issues weren't in play. Uh, so Brittany, what happened here? What was the outcome? So in the end, the, uh, the matter was adjourned to February 12th, uh, which, is, which is this week. The, the court basically, again, it highlighted the fact that there was a dispute resolution clause and when that exists, it's not optional. It's not a suggestion. You mm -hmm. have, you can't pick and choose which aspects of a court order you're going to follow and which you're not. Be that as it may, they're before the judge and the judge basically felt as though they didn't have enough information to make a decision. With respect to the 18 year old, the court can't really tell them what to do, where to go. 16 year old, mm, Court felt as though you know maybe they could, but they they shouldn't. It's important to hear from the children on, on what they feel um, is appropriate. That said, that um, at the end of the day, those those considerations are important, but not decisive. The biggest issue here was the the thirteen year old, and the thirteen year old expressed having severe severe COVID anxiety. The court summed it up by saying this is not so much a legal issue as it is a mental health issue. So the court ordered that the parents were to arrange Hamilton-based counseling for that youngest child who's going through such a tough time. They said it would take place by video right now while the kids are in inland. Um, and it would, would be with the aim of figuring out a timeline for the children to return to Ontario and also encouraged everyone to work together and coordinate some counseling with the two other children as well because the children were quite close and it wasn't looking like anybody was gonna come back on their own. They were gonna come back as a family. The court ordered that the parents communicate daily because obviously communication has been an issue in this case, um, especially with dad feeling as though mom was making decisions unilaterally and not consulting him. Um, the court also ordered that the children would have daily phone contact with the dad and that the parents file affidavits to show they've taken efforts to arrange therapeutic assistance. They, the court said that the parents are to do everything necessary to alleviate the children's concerns so that the children can return back to Ontario as soon as possible. Right, and the court, you know, admonished these parents for not, who are lawyers, for not using the dispute resolution clause. And it's easy for lawyers to forget that. If we have a separation agreement, we go off the court to do a motion to change or a variation you often forget that the separation agreement usually contains a dispute resolution provision that you need to follow uh, before the court will hear your case. So if you're enjoying this video and find it helpful, please give us a thumbs up or leave your comment in the comment box below. Um, so let's go through our uh, panel here. Thoughts, did the judge get it right? Brittany, you wanna go first? I'll go first, but I am biased because Newfoundland is home and it's lovely. If I had the choice right now to be in lockdown Ontario, The Rock, I, I would certainly um, choose to be there. So for me, it's a no-brainer. If the kids are are doing well, they're happy, they're safer, you know, extend it. Not indefinitely, but until things start to improve here. And you have to do it kind of on a case-by-case basis, day-by-day. Um, I think the judge made the right decision. Adjourn it. Let's get the kids some help. And once they're comfortable and 
then facilitate the return. All right, we have uh, East Coaster coming in strong with her opinion. Lori, what do you think? I think we're gonna get a different opinion here from Lori. <clears throat> well, you know, typical of these types of motions, there wasn't or isn't enough information in front of the court. So it's, uh, I like that the judge took uh, a position somewhere in between where uh, the mom is not getting her way and she really shouldn't because that type of behavior with as we had said earlier with uh, the dispute resolution clause if we're not going to enforce them then what is the point of having them and I can tell you a lot of people come to me all the time forgetting that they do need to go through that dispute resolution uh, instruction in the agreement they signed first. So I think that the judge got it right in in terms of not uh, giving the mom everything, but at the same time, uh, considering the mental health aspect, school is about to start. So it's reasonable that uh, it be reviewed because what's happening is basically the kids will have an opportunity to return to school and they should be here for that. But at the same time, I think a law has to be said about dad's rights and the prejudice that's done to dads. Dad was kind. He agreed to uh, extend the trip because of the pandemic. He cooperated and look what he gets as a result. So uh, at the very least, I hope that dad's going to get his costs because this uh, this was brought about by mom's behavior. And uh, and I, I like that the judge didn't uh, jump one way. He'll have, people will get to reconsider their positions, put more evidence in the court when it's reviewed, and hopefully the best decision for those kids will be made. Okay, thank you, Laurie. Rick, what do you think? Did the judge get it right here? Uh, absolutely, Russ. I think he saw right through this. Um, and I agree with a lot of the comments that Laurie said. Uh, there was some sort of an ambush by mom to try to, to kind of reveal this after the fact. But at the same time, and I know why Laurie said that she was she was um, uh, skeptical of mom's reasons or arguments. At some level, I, I have the same feeling for dad as well. I'm not sure he's as innocent as a victim as he is. Um, we're talking about eight, an 18 year old, a 16 year old and a 13 year old. And I'm not sure how much manipulation mom may have had given their ages. Uh, they're not young children. And realistically, um, someone someone will want, want to wonder um, what seeds has he sown to uh, facilitate his relationship with his children. So, um, but in overall, I think the judge did get it right. It was premature for him to make a decision based on insufficient evidence. And I think with all the talk of Ontario possibly reopening the schools to readjourn the motion to this week, made this basically issue moot because the cases, the schools reopened today uh, in Hamilton. So it's expected the kids should be back. Yeah, um, the judge deciding not to decide is almost a decision in itself. I think you hit it the nail right on the head there, Rick. Uh, this judge was waiting to hear from the Ontario government if we were gonna continue in our lockdowns um, he would probably consider more evidence if school is opening up. Uh, I think the writing's on the wall for mom. And I'm certainly sympathetic to Brittany's position, right? We would all like the 
rush off to the Isle of Man or Caribbean island of some sort where there's no COVID or no Newfoundland if they'd let us in. Um, but I don't think this is just Ontario lawyers taking a hard uh, view of um, this case. I think everybody's scared and um, COVID is changing. You know, we've got variants coming out. We're probably going to be into this for another year, at least before the court system gets back to normal. So in some respects, I think the court has a duty to decide these matters. I understand the reason, the timing of the adjournment, um, but we hear these cases and I certainly don't want to get into trouble with my professional regulators, but we hear these cases where courts say we have limited resources and we're not going to, we're not going to hear these types of hearings. Well, they have a, a constitutional mandate to adjudicate disputes. This is how we resolve disputes in our society. Uh, so I think, although somebody may not like the decision, a court still needs to make a decision and provide some certainty to families. That's my take, but let's get some other takeaways from this decision. Um, if there is no an agreement, I think if I read the decision correctly, the judge's takeaway was it's not a matter of if the children are going to return to Ch Ontario, but when. Uh, but if there is no agreement, what do you think the court's going to do here, Laurie? If there's no agreement, I think the court will say that they have to, ha if there's no consent, the courts will have to say that the kids will return because there is already an agreement. And, you know, uh, we can't take our children on vacation and not prepare them that the vacation will end. So they've gone, it's not, I mean, it's a little more meaningful than a holiday somewhere uh, tropical, I suppose. But at the same time, vacations have to end. They are Ontario residents. Their family is here. And uh, our government is prepared to support the Ontario kids return to school. We're supposed to be staying at home. People that have traveled in other, to other places are having tremendous difficulty getting home now. It's very much discouraged. So mom has traveled and uh, it's time to come home. And I think that's what the court is going to do. I think it would be going the opposite way of what the messages that uh, the government has been trying to give us all. Uh, it would be going in the complete opposite direction if they say, if the court says, okay, those kids can stay over there. And I also think the part about the mental health is uh, hitting the nail on the head. It's not the uh, pandemic issue. It's uh, that we all need to learn to cope and adapt. And it's very good to start at a young age. You can't let these things uh, tackle you mentally and emotionally, or you're going to end up having much more significant problems. Yeah, that's a good point. If the court said yes, then we'd see a floodgate of just cases of people leaving Ontario. And I think mom, both parents needed to show a little bit more leadership here in managing the child's fears, right? They're gonna get from their parents um, how, they, how they're gonna react from this. So I think perhaps the parents could have done a better job. Rick, what did you think? What are your takeaways here? I agree with Lori. If there was no agreement in place, I think uh, the judge would have ordered the kids ultimately back. I mean. Uh, barring some unusual circumstances that can be qualified from a, a medical uh, or a family professional as to what level of fear this child was experiencing. 
something, I guess, in the extreme. Um, I, I think a judge would have ordered them back. It just seems, uh, it just, the way that the optics look like waiting last minute and walking into court and saying a 13 year old has a fear, uh, but not, but really can articulate really what the fear is really looked, uh, as they say, the, uh, the sniff test. It almost reminded me of those back to school cases, right? That somebody's got an extended summer holiday with one of the parents and all of a sudden the parent says, so oh, little Johnny wants to stay with me now, right? It's um, very similar. A few quotes I took away from this case and I shared some of them with you. Um, I thought the judges uh, comments with respect to a 13-year-old's views and preferences and emotional comfort level. Uh, it's not necessarily determinative of these matters, but the court's certainly going to take it into consideration. Um, what they look at is how much weight to be attributed to the child's shared stated preferences uh, and other factors, you know, age, maturity. We all know 13-year-olds that are very mature and 15-year-olds that are very immature. Clarity of their views, context, consistency, potential alienation or influence, which we may be seeing a little bit of in this case, and the strength of the expressed view and the thinking behind it. So I thought that was fairly insightful in terms of trying to understand what the court's gonna look for. Another quote I found helpful and this kind of ties back to my comment about the responsibility of courts to adjudicate matters. This is the way we resolve disputes uh, when parents disagree. Uh, but the judge said, uh, if, the, if the children are hurting physically, the parents would rush the child to a doctor. Instead, they're hurting mentally and the parents have rushed to a judge. They picked the wrong professional. I don't necessarily agree with that statement. Um, I agree that the child should be getting mental health assistance through a therapy or counseling or their family doctor. But these are two lawyers who are parents who cannot resolve a dispute and overlook their dispute resolution mechanism. Uh, so there's lots of things that sort of fallen off the tracks here. Uh, probably reflects poorly on our legal profession if we have lawyers doing this. But I think courts absolutely have a duty to adjudicate these matters. And judges are the professionals we rely upon uh, when we need to deal with issues such as, such as this. But maybe I'm just um, being a sarcastic Ontario lawyer. I don't know. Final thoughts or uh, other cases involving COVID or similar circumstances that you guys want to share? Um, I've just went, so you want to go next, Brittany? Um, actually, I'll just add with respect to this case, the mom had actually acknowledged that when school resumes in Ontario and goes back to in-person classes, that that would be an appropriate time for the children to come back to Ontario. Um, and the, the court said, because the mom had acknowledged that, that means that she has at least some confidence that once the government deems it appropriate and safe for children to go back to school, that she will be able to reassure the child that it's, it's okay. So um, school has resumed. So I think when, when they, the motion is heard again on the 12th, that the children will be coming back. Had that not have not happened and the court had to make a decision again, I think it would involve 
weighing all those different factors and considerations and all the evidence that you spoke about in terms of balancing um, the children's wants, wishes, and expressed needs um, with all these other, these other concerns. Um, again, I think it has to be done on a case-by-case -case basis. And the court doesn't have the information as Lori pointed out at this time. So once the counseling is in place, perhaps they would have uh, been, been in a better position to opine on the appropriate route. I think uh, I understand Hamilton goes back to school today. So I think the- uh, And just to keep you on the hot seat here for a minute, Brittany. What about uh, parents dealing with kids who are fearful of COVID? What advice or tips would you give parents? Okay, so I surveyed, I went to the experts. I surveyed a couple of my friends on this one to see what they were doing and what tips and tricks they had. Um, a couple of common, common responses that I got was to talk openly and honestly with children about the situation that oftentimes it's the fear of the unknown that freaks us out the most. So if you can communicate honestly with your children, prepare them um, and also try to maintain an attitude of positivity. I know it's hard, it's hard for all of us, but they look to us um, and they absorb whatever it is that we are exhibiting. So with that, I would also add the importance of self-care, taking care of yourself, making sure that you are, you know, getting the right amount of sleep, exercise is a great relief, um, connect, making efforts to connect with others, seeking professional help if needed, and then you are best positioned to, to um, instruct and be there for your children and support them. Yeah. Those are great tips. And we talk about the importance of mental health in our firm all the time. Lori, next, uh, you're up next. Um, advice, takeaways, other cases you've got, want to comment on or tips for parents? Well, I'm a parent of school-aged children, and I've really appreciated some of the information put out by the TDSB for us about helping our children cope with what's going on. For example, they suggested, you know, making a, a routine of, of chunks in a day. This is the morning chunk. You're in your online class, and then you have your snack time, and trying to divide up the day that way to give them uh, more sense of certainty it's really hard for everybody. So my husband, who's also a lawyer, my husband and I have decided that we're trying to lead by example. Uh, that's why we didn't go away uh, this holiday, even though I have a lot of uh, close people in a very nice warm place, Florida, I would really like to go see them. And it's been very hard on us to just be here trapped in the house and not thinking there's an end in sight, but it does build resilience. And that is what's getting me through. I think that's important to teach our children. And I, I think that the court really does have to keep in mind what the government is trying to do here and work with our government. Yeah, those are great tips uh, from Laurie. I think we've all got a lot of air mile points we've been building up that we're gonna be using uh, when all this is over. Um, and I think the TDSP that she referred to is the Toronto School Board. And we're going to include that information in our show notes below. So if you want to learn some more of the tips that Lori was presenting, we'll have that for you in our show notes. Rick, you want to go next? Uh, observations about this case, other cases you've been dealing with, tips for parents who are fearful uh, uh, of COVID? Thanks, Russ. I, I just think with the introduction of COVID, I mean, this is, this is something brand new for everyone. 
um, it's already exacerbated the custody and access cases, the issues there, and just makes them that more pronounced. Uh, I, I think the issue is just communication, communication, communication. Um, you know, parent, parents are expected to communicate with each other better about their children. If they don't know how, then they should be, seek the appropriate uh, professionals to help them do it. And if they really run into trouble uh, in dealing with communication issues, like you said, uh, Russ, uh, then court's the place then to deal with it. But I think they need to kind of take a tiered approach uh, and the onus is on the parents, so. Yeah, great tips. Thank you, Rick. All right, well, I wanna thank our guests today, Rick, Brittany, and Lori. Um, any final comments before we do our send off, Brittany? Let's circle back to me. All right, Rick, any final thoughts? Um, I, I think, you know, Brittany, Lori, Lori said it best. Uh, speak to your kids freely, uh, lead by example, uh, and help them through it. I mean, everyone's going through it. So um, follow the advice of professionals with respect to the issue and lead by example. If I can just point. Yeah, and talk to counselors. If you don't know of any, talk to your family doctor. They can give you a referral for sure. Uh, great tips. Brittany, I'm circling back to you. Yeah, I'd echo that. This is unprecedented times for all of us. Um, there's no one size fits all. It comes down to what's best for you and your family. And um, when in doubt, you can reach out to healthcare professionals, counselors, your lawyer. Um, we all, we're all in this together. So we got to pick it out together. Right. And look, if you have an existing agreement or court order, take a look to see what it says about dispute resolution and follow those provisions before you go rushing off to court. The judge does not want to hear your case if you not have it, if you haven't pursued whatever the mechanism and is in your existing court order or agreement. But those are all great tips. Thank you very much. I want to thank our guests once again. Thank our listeners and our viewers today. You can learn more about today's decision. Uh, we've got the full decision in the link below. Give us your thoughts and comments in the link below. You can see my uh, dog has her own view of this case. If you like this video and found it helpful, please give us a thumbs up and let us know. You can subscribe to our channel by hitting the bell icon to get notification of every video we upload. So thank you for listening and watching today and uh, thank everybody for their time. Stay safe.